Now turn again with me please to Matthew's Gospel chapter 6. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6. I wanted to finish this chapter, our studies with you in it, <clears throat> before we come to the end of the old year. So we're going to look at a whole section today, verse 25, uh, right down to probably the verse 33 uh, today. Verse 33, 34. I put the title on the Christ cure for anxiety. And I've done that because our nation presently has experienced what's been termed uh, in the, the press and by the news media, what they've called it, a cost of living crisis. And they say it's the worst in a generation. And when we talk about the cost of living crisis, this is a reference to the fall in disposable incomes that the UK has experienced over the last two years. And of course this has been caused by high inflation. And that's when uh, the, the price increases that we face in the shops from the goods we buy, from the services that we need, outstrip the wages and the benefits that keep society going. And of course inflation is an ever upward spiral at the present time. With prices going up at the end of this year, they reckon inflation will peak at 13%. That is a 40-year high in the United Kingdom. So that means something that you bought last year uh, will be 13% more expensive at the end of this year. And, and we know there are various causes that contribute to all of that. And all of those great minds have put it down to the world supply uh, demand and supply after COVID and the lockdown, etc., and also the war in Ukraine, and also the, the, the price that has resulted in gas and oil disruption of supplies, and we've been paying for it ever since. Sometimes we imagine that foreign policy <coughs> will not affect us here at home, but it does, and it has. So, in the midst of this cost of living crisis, there are many today and they're facing challenges as families and as individual Christians that they haven't experienced for years. What do we do? Are we left in this world, brethren and sisters, as mere orphans to battle it out for ourselves? And this would seem to be the reaction of many who say they are the Lord's. And some believers are so worried and are so fretful and are so anxious at this present time. It's as if we do not have a heavenly father who has pledged himself, pledged himself to take care of his own blood-washed and blood-bought people. This section on the Sermon on the Mount, it gives us answers. It gives us answers to our worries and to our concerns. It gives us answers to anxiety. Five times over in this section, have you noticed that the word thought is used? Thought. Look at verse 25. Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Now when you and I read that in our King James authorised version of the Bible, it's as if we uh, assimilate that and, and we say to ourselves, well, maybe we shouldn't just be thinking about it. Maybe we shouldn't even be giving a thought to it. As it is. But verse 27 is the same word. Verse 28 is the same word. Verse 31 is the same word. Verse 34 has the same word. 
Five times over. This is a reference to this word thought. But it's not just a reference to what we think or what we meditate upon. It is a reference to our care, to to the thoughts that are produced by anxious care. So what is addressed here is not just thinking about something. What is addressed here is overthinking and anxiety. Because anxiety is caused by overthinking. A troubled mind, an uneasy soul, one which is unduly concerned and pressed down with the burdens of life. What Jesus is referring to here is anxious care and anxious worry. And I believe there are many Christians and they battle with anxious care and worry and thoughts every day. And as a result of that their peace of mind is destroyed and their usefulness in life is diminished. And sometimes we don't like to admit it. As Christians we're anxious. We're anxious about where the next wage is going to come from. We're anxious about how we'll pay the mortgage. We're anxious about how we'll put the oil in the tank. We're anxious about how we'll pay the various bills that come in to us month by month. And that anxiety that so many face as overthinking eh, the battles that they face in life, it undermines their peace of soul and their peace of heart. So in these verses the Saviour gives to us the cure. The cure for anxiety. And he does through he does so through simple arguments which prohibit anxious care. The Lord is not prohibiting your thought life, but the Lord wants to prohibit you from overthinking. The Lord wants to prohibit you from being anxious about what you're thinking about to the extent that you can't get on with the journey and with the battle of life. So I'd like to consider these arguments that the Lord Jesus presents at the close of this section on the Sermon on the Mount. We're two-thirds of the way through it now. And I believe what I have found here has been a real rebuke to my own life and yet a real encouragement likewise to us as we face the challenges of the end of 2022. So firstly in verse 25-26 the the saviour prohibited anxious care about the basic provisions of life. You know basically we all have the same needs and anxiety about the basic issues sometimes they can dominate your thinking very very quickly. So I would say to you today, do not allow the small mole hills to become mountains. Because they can become mountains very quickly. And they can become those mountains without you and I even realising it. The Saviour referred in these verses, 25-26, to three basic necessities. About eating, about drinking, about clothing. The Christian, of course, I know, cannot be indifferent Uh, to these basic needs and and no Christian in this assembly I know is or would be. 1 Timothy 5 8 teaches we are to provide for our homes and family. The word of God teaches that if a man doesn't provide for his family he's not worth the name of being a father. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10 teaches us that those who do not work should not eat. 
There's planning. There's thought that must go into these provisions. If you're able to work, if you're fit to work, if you have opportunity to work and refuse to work, well then the Lord says acquiring these provisions for you becomes a problem. So these provisions, eating, drinking, clothing, Jesus is not saying you're not to plan for them, you're not to provide for them. But what Jesus is saying, they ought not to be your chief concern in life, your chief uh, thought in life. Uh, and if you think eating, drinking, clothing are unimportant, well, they're just sort of side issues, I want you to think again about it because coming up to this Christmas time of the year, there are firms and businesses in this land and they're going to make millions out of eating, drinking and clothing. That's what business is all about. And as I thought about that, the vast majority of advertising at Christmas, what does it go into? Eating, drinking and clothing. And so the problems arise when you allow the, the basic needs to become the dominant needs within your life. As Sinclair Ferguson so lovely puts it, the servants quickly become the masters. And I think that has happened in many Christian homes. The servants, the eating, the drinking, the clothing, have become the masters. And that's what people live for. But the citizen of Christ's kingdom, he knows, she knows, something different. They do not have to be our masters. You and I of necessity do not have to eat out at all. And we certainly do not have to eat out in the most expensive restaurants that you can go into. If you're in a cost of living crisis, you reevaluate the basics once again. Nor do we have to wear designer clothes to keep ourselves warm. Much simpler attire will do the same job at a fraction of the price. Nor do we have to, as some people do, drink bottled water in Northern Ireland when tap water will do the same business. We live in a materialistic society. And in this materialistic society, sadly, the servants have become the masters. And brand names are essential in some homes. Even if they can't afford them, they have to have the brand names. And children and young people, eh, I, I know today, they fear the ridicule of their friends if they go out with anything less than designer clothes upon them. Now when I was young, boys and girls, I wore what was given to me. Or, more often, I wore what was handed down to me. And I was very glad and thankful for whatever I had. Don't allow the servants to become the masters. Else your cost of living crisis will quickly accumulate into something that you're not able to control. The Saviour put a very different priority on these basic provisions for the journey of life. He said, our life is more than meat. Now when we think of meat, we just think maybe of that uh, piece of meat you're going home for your dinner. But no, in the Bible when it, when it talks about meat, it's about food. It's about the whole range of basic food to live and to survive. And Jesus said, life is more than food. He said life is more than raiment. So the raiment that is spoken about here is the clothing. We all like nice clothing. But Jesus said life is more than about wearing nice clothing. 
The life which we have been given to live for God's glory is more important than all of these secondary matters. So the Saviour's application is very simple. If God has created life and given it to us, and God has formed the body, well, he has promised that he'll sustain it as well. He'll sustain it until the journey has come to its end. The greatest blessing is life. The greatest blessing is life. So let's not distort the priorities. At this Christmas season, I, I would encourage all of you, do not, get, do not be sidetracked by the commercialism or the materialism of the age. Now I don't begrudge the businessman as profit. I don't begrudge either. I, I wish the, 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 the businessman well in his profit and in his business. But when you become occupied with all of that, then you're into another realm that is nothing to do with profit and it's more to do with personal greed. There are, ma there are many parents at this season of the year they're stressed out because they don't know how they're going to buy their children everything that they want. Well, I would say to you as parents today, just get them what they need. And what they need and what they want might be two worlds apart. I think we need to strip it all down to the basic ingredients once again. That's how to survive a cost of living crisis. Is life, is family life, not more important than being anxious as to how we can supply it with stuff that's not necessary. Now Jesus gives some lovely illustrations here. To, to avert this anxious care in verse 26, he used the illustrations of the fowls of the air, the birds of the air. He said they cannot plant, they do not reap, nor can they harvest, but they're fed by their heavenly Father. I think that's wonderful. I started to look up yesterday all of the many birds that are in the world. And boys and girls, you'll be surprised to know there are 11,000 different species of birds in the world. 11,000. There are 1.6 billion, I don't know who counted them, but that's what Google says, 1.6 billion sparrows approximately in the world. There are 1.3 billion starlings in the world and they're all fed every one of them are fed and Jesus taught if God our father provides for such fowls will he not care for those that are part of his kingdom we're citizens of his kingdom those who have been redeemed by the precious blood of his own dear son would God Feed a sparrow and forget about a saint. And I want you to think about that today. Jesus taught, why would God feed the fowls and forget about his followers? We're not to be over anxious about these things because we do have a heavenly father. And he knows our needs. And he's promised to provide for our needs. He reminds us here of his providential care. He who has created all things sustains all things. He has given us life. He has given us life. Therefore, we can be assured that we will not lack anything that is necessary for its maintenance. Has he given us a body? Then he'll surely not let us die for lack of clothing, for lack of food. 
He that brought us into being will doubtless feed us and clothe us until our journey ends and he takes us home to heaven. And that's your assurance as a Christian today in facing a cost of living crisis. It's just the same as in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. It's no dim- And it's no different as to what God's people in generations gone by have faced. Psalm 37. We read here the psalmist David's testimony. He said, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. And though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Those are wonderful promises. David brought from the the fields of Bethlehem, where he was looking after his father's sheep as a young lad, thrust into the limelight in the battlefield against Goliath, put upon the throne at a young and tender age, battling Saul for that throne. What a process he had to go through, but God upheld him. And God provided for him. And he looked at his seed and he said, how wonderfully God provided for them. And you and I today can do the same. In all of our battles of life, those that have tried to put us down, the Lord has upheld us. When we've encountered the enemy, God has protected us. And he's provided for us. And he's provided not only for us, but for our seed and our seed's seed. And will he continue to do so? He has to. Because he's God. He's our heavenly father. Secondly, let us not be over anxious about things over which we have no control. There's no use you worrying, being anxious about things over which you have no control. Jesus spoke of this in verse 27. He said, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? No amount of anxiety can add one cubit unto your height. The word does mean height, but it also means age. And the utmost anxiety about your life, no matter how much you worry about it, you'll not live one second longer because of it. The cubit originally, in biblical times, was from the top of the middle finger to the elbow. Not very long, sure it isn't. People in those days, they didn't have rulers, they didn't have measurements. So this was just an approximate figure. And that was why somebody's, from somebody's elbow to the tip of their middle finger was longer than somebody else's. Maybe the, the brickwork, the blockwork on the house might have been out of sync with something else. But it didn't really matter. The terms of length in the Bible, they're often, atta- they're often applied to life itself. It doesn't matter if I go just that little bit earlier than you will go. You'll be coming just a split second behind me. In Psalm 39 verse 4 and 5 we read, Lord make me to know mine end and the measure of my days. What it is that I may know how frail I am. Behold thou hast made my days as a handbreadth. That's a handbreadth. That's just your life and my life. Not one cubit more from there to there can you add on to your life by worrying or by being anxious about it. We're not able to increase the length of our days. We're not able to increase the height of our bodies. And yet over such matters, God's people continually stress and live under that stress 
nearly day by day. We need to get back to the place where we accept that these things are divinely ordered and appointed for us. I believe God has an appointed time for me. And no matter how much I worry about it, no matter what I do about it, I will not cross that boundary. And when I come to that boundary, my life's journey will end. It is appointed unto men once to die. There is a divine process. There is a divine appointment. And until we come to rest in that truth, then I believe we can never really have the peace of heart and mind that we really do need. God's providential care is minute, minute. I love how the catechism defines it, that God's works of providence are his most holy ways. And then it says, powerful preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. Powerful preserving. You wouldn't use that word really about your life today, but God has been powerfully preserving you. He has been powerfully preserving this life of mine that has got me to this point in time. He has been powerfully preserving and he'll keep on powerfully preserving until my journey comes to its end. It's appointed and it's a prearranged end. When we talk about a providence, well then we, we, we come for, I think, one of the strongest cures for anxiety. Is God not taking care of us? We, we sang that hymn very deliberately in the service today. God will take care of you. What a wonderful truth. God will take care of you. Going through this cost of living crisis, we can say with absolute assurance, God will take care of us. God will take care of us. The confession teaches that this great creator of all things doth uphold, direct, dispose and govern all his creatures and all their actions and things from the greatest even to the least. <clears throat> you don't believe that? Jesus said, so minute is providence that the very hairs of our head, they're all numbered. But even the very hairs of your head, Jesus said, they're all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you're of more value than many sparrows. All those millions of sparrows that he's looking after and providing for. You're of much value than them. He knows minutely the number of hairs on your head today. That's how much he cares about you. We sang that lovely hymn in the prayer meeting on Wednesday night gone by. One of the hymn goes, No prophet canst thou gain by self-consuming care to him commend thy cause. His ear attends the softest prayer. Thirdly, to avoid this anxiety that uh, grips the hearts of so many, let's have faith in God to provide and care for us. That's what Jesus said in verse 30, uh, Matthew 6 and verse 30. He's addressing this very fact and he said, O ye of little faith. One of the key causes of anxiety amongst Christians is little faith. And to illustrate this again, Jesus gives the illustration of the lilies in the field. Consider the lilies. You know, there's a very sublime picture that is painted for us here of the lilies that that they decorate the fields and they grow and they toil not and neither do they spin. 
And Jesus said, even Solomon, in all of his magnificence and in all of his glory, he wasn't arrayed, he wasn't dressed like the lilies of the field. And verse 30, of course, is the climax of this section. Jesus said, if God will graciously decorate the grass of the field with such wonderful flowers, which today is here and tomorrow is gone, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? That's not doubt God's willingness. Even in the cost of living crisis, we're to have faith in our Heavenly Father. He provides for the birds, he'll not forget about you. There are many of you I know put out the, the feeding little uh, boxes and, and, and holders for the birds uh, this winter season of the year, and it's, it's good to do so. Will you look out on those little birds? Just you remind yourself, but God's providing for me. He closed the fields with these beautiful flowers. Have we any reason to doubt that he's forgotten to provide for us? The Gentiles, Jesus said, they spent their whole lives seeking after these things. Their whole energy, their whole time, their whole industry is spent in seeking after the eating, the drinking, the clothing. But Jesus then assured us in verse 32b, your heavenly Father knows what you have need of. He knows your need today. He knows your name. He knows the nature of who you are. He knows your personality. And he knows your need. Don't be over anxious about them. He knows them. He knows about them. And we're called to have faith in him to supply the need. It's always, Jesus always spoke about the needs. He never, he never spoke about the greeds. There's no promise in the Bible that Jesus will supply your greed or my greed. But he's promised to supply our needs. This is the Savior's antidote for anxious care. We have a heavenly father who has pledged himself to give good gifts unto his children, even those that ask him. And rather than fret and allow anxious care to erode your peace, he calls you today just to whisper, just to whisper in his ear those needs. And even though he knows about them, because he's your father, he likes you to come and tell them about him. Listening to that hymn over the weekend, consider the lilies. They don't toil nor spin. But there's not a king with more splendor than them. Consider the sparrow. He doesn't plant nor sow. But he's fed by the master. He watches him grow. We have a heavenly father above. With eyes full of mercy. And a heart full of love. He really cares when your head is bowed down. Consider the lilies, and then you will know. Consider the lilies today. Consider the fowls of the field. And take courage today and put faith again in your heavenly Father who knows what your need is. The final directive against anxiety <coughs> is that whilst we're to leave all of these things with the Lord because he knows the need, now we're to spend our time, verse 33, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
When as Christians we address the priorities, we can live above anxiety. It's because I, I believe many have not addressed the priorities. They're, 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 they're held down by the anxiety. The first priority of every citizen of Christ's kingdom is to seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. And, and not even the stuff of this life can take position, can take the place of that seeking. Now let me say to you today, dear Christian, and ask you the question, are you seeking the kingdom of God first? That's the priority. Are you seeking the kingdom of God first? Christ had assured us that our basic needs are going to be met. We don't have to stress and worry about that. Now we just have to prioritize our lives and seek his kingdom and do his service. I was thinking of some of those testimonies that we find in scripture. I think of Jacob when he came to die. Those closing chapters in the book of Genesis. Some of the most sublime words in all of Genesis. We read how he blessed Joseph. And said Genesis 48:15, God before whom my father. Fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk. Just pilgrims. Walking through this old world. The God which fed me all my life long on to this day. He's about to die. Old Jacob. He's gathered the sons round about the bed. And he's, he's pronouncing the blessing upon them. And he's about to pass on into God's eternity. And he said, this God that I'm going to bless. And whose name I'm going to bless you. He's fed me all my life long on to this day. Is he not your God today? Is he not our heavenly father? Paul took this up. Philippians 4.19. We often quote all of those great verses. But let's do it in the context. My God shall supply all your need. According to his riches and glory. By Christ Jesus. You just keep seeking him. You just keep serving him. And as you seek him and serve him. He's promised to supply everything else. If God has so promised to provide all the needs, Jesus said, just you continue seeking my kingdom first and my righteousness. Serving God, I think it brings a new perspective on life. Now Jesus said in verse 24, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and you can't serve mammon. Mammon being uh, the God of this world, which is money. You can't do the two things at the one time. And so when you serve God and not mammon, life takes on a new perspective. And the things which you once thought were so vitally important in life, you'll realise, I can do without them. And instead of being over-anxious about the things you cannot have, you acquire a contentment with the things that you do have. And is that not what we're taught in the Word of God? Hebrews 13 and 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Now conversation in life is how we conduct in the Bible. It's how we conduct our life. It's not just how we talk. It's how we walk the talk. And we read the word of God tells us. Be content with such things as ye have. For he has said I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. What a word in season. Here we are in the worst cost of living crisis. For a whole generation. People's pay packets suddenly have shrunk because of inflation 
And because of high prices on utilities and, and fuel and all of that there that we're all facing. What's the answer? Just keep on serving Christ. And be content with the things that you have. And until God enables you to get other things, just be content with what you have. And if you're content with what you have, you'll discover a whole joy in your life, a whole peace in your life that you never had before. Anxiety can be overpowering. And yes, it is, it is a battle. It is a battle. I think we've all faced it at some times in our lives. But even anxiety needs to be brought under the Lordship of Christ. He alone is the answer. Christ is the answer to every worry in your life today. He's the answer to every care in your life today. There is a divine cure for anxiety. And it's all wrapped up in Christ. I pray today that the Holy Spirit will bring each and every one of us to rest upon Christ. To trust in Christ. And just simply to depend upon Christ. Not just for today, but for every day. Until the journey ends. No matter what crisis we have to go through. And there will be many crises up ahead. But whatever we face. We will face it with Christ. And with Christ in the vessel. We can smile at the storm.